Thank you, that was beautiful. The story is told that after Gautama the Buddha achieved enlightenment, people from far and wide would come to him to ask him, what exactly are you? Are you a god? The Buddha would reply, no. Then they would ask, are you an angel? No. Well, are you a saint or a prophet? No, he would say. Then, what are you? The people would demand of him. And this enlightened man would simply reply, I am awake. The Armenian mystic Gurdjieff has said that most people spend most of their lives asleep. Are we mostly asleep? Are you? I'd like to explore this question for a few minutes today because I believe that most of us can benefit from being reminded from time to time to become more aware, more awake and mindful of the present moment in our all too busy. What does it mean to assert that we spend most of our lives asleep. After all, our eyes are open for most of the day and we occupy ourselves doing many things. But are we awake in the sense in which the Buddha used the term? Or are we metaphorically sleepwalking through our lives? Here is an example of my own style of sleepwalking. While driving my car, I'm half listening to the radio news as my mind is racing over tasks to be done, calls to be made, and so on. And sometimes, and I'm not proud of this, I'm also putting on sunscreen or I'm rifling through papers on the seat next to me to be sure that I have everything I need for the day. It is truly frenetic, multitasking behavior. And I do not recommend driving like this. In this state, I am sleepwalking because I am not really taking life in. I'm not aware of the present moment. I'm barely aware sometimes that I'm driving. How many of you sit down to eat when you're alone and prop up a book or a newspaper in front of you. Well, I certainly do this. When you do this, do you really taste what you're eating? I came across an article a few years ago on trying to live a balanced life. In that article, writer Deborah Dallinger paints a sad modern scene. There she was. She was peacefully riding on a gondola down one of Venice's famous canals. And she spotted another gondola coming from the other direction. In it, as she passed, she noticed that there was a 30-something American male who was earnestly conducting business on a cell phone while the boat was passing an important historic site. What a picture that paints.
Many Americans, like this man, are so wrapped up in their work, or on the, those little boxes, many of us are in all contexts, that they miss life, we miss life in the process. This is our modern tragedy captured in an image. If we're not careful, we can sleepwalk right through our lives. As a modern aphorism puts it, life is what happens while you're... We may indeed miss truly experiencing life while we're in the process of planning to live it. As Emerson said, we are always getting ready to live, but never living. In Aldous Huxley's utopian island, uh, novel, Island, which depicts a society of people who live according to Buddhist ways, there are minor birds all over the island who have been taught to say, attention. <laughs> and the time of day, attention. They were trained that way to help remind people to stop what they're doing and become awake to the present moment. What is being truly awake like? Well, here's a story illustration from a Buddhist sutra, as told by Paul Reps in his book, Zen Flesh, Zen Bones. A man traveling across a field encountered a tiger. He fled the tiger after him. Coming to a precipice, he caught hold of the root of a wild vine and swung himself over the edge. The tiger sniffed at him from above. Trembling, the man looked down to where, far below, another tiger was waiting to eat him. <laughs> Only that vine sustained him. Two mice, one white and one black, little by little started to gnaw away the vine. The man saw a luscious strawberry near him. Grasping the vine with one hand, he plucked the strawberry with the other and ate it. How sweet it tasted. This, of course, is an extreme and quite fictional account. Even the Buddha himself might not be so calm under such circumstances. But the point of the story is the importance, the ecstasy, of living fully in the present moment. To taste, really taste, the strawberry with no thought or worry about the future or ruminating about the past. To really listen, not have it playing merely as a backdrop to our thoughts and activities. To really see the beauty of a sunset and not be also thinking of a thousand details and deadlines that are facing us. To be truly present to what is happening in this moment and notice what is happening now. The sounds, the sights, the odors, the tastes, the sensations. The Zen philosopher Alan Watts once wrote, no one imagines that a symphony is supposed to improve in quality as it goes along, or that the whole object of playing it is to reach the finale. 
The point of music, he said, is to be discovered in every moment of playing and listening to it. Our lives are like that symphony, unfolding in every present moment. And each moment has something to offer us, something to tell us about our innermost selves, if we let it. But if we were always caught up in trying to reach some goal, some end point, or always expecting the symphony of our lives to improve always as it goes along, we may miss its present beauty as it unfolds before us. Now we surely can't be fully present in every single waking moment. To do so would be to give up our other worthy preoccupations and occupations, which often do involve recollecting the past, allowing our minds to wander while we pursue some rote task, or making plans for the future. But if we are never truly mindful, truly awake and fully aware to the present moment, we can miss the gift that life really is. Maintaining a present awareness may sound like a simple task, but it isn't. Mindfulness takes time and discipline, and although I don't practice it nearly often enough myself, I can tell you that it is worth the effort. By becoming mindful, you can learn about yourself and the workings of your mind. You can focus on a life problem or worry and begin to feel yourself transcending it, getting some valuable perspective. You can get in touch with an inner core of strength and calm that I believe we all have. You can experience a truly ecstatic spiritual moment. You can feel firsthand your intimate connection to nature, being, God, the cosmos, the ultimate, the still small voice, however you label it for yourself. Our deep connection with being is always there, but we are usually unaware. As Jesus said, the realm of heaven is already here before you, but you do not see it. We are all too often, as the poet T.S. Eliot put it, distracted from distraction by, by distraction. <clears throat> Sometimes it is life's inevitable moments of pain that will snap us into awareness, and the awareness leads eventually to healing. As Julia Cameron in her book, The Artist's Way says, the reward for attention is always healing. It may begin as the healing of a particular pain, the lost lover, the sickly child, the shattered dream. But what is healed finally is the pain that underlies all pain, the pain that we are all unutterably alone. More than anything else, she says, attention is an act of connection. Mindfulness can also be healing and an act of connection when we pay full attention to another person. A psychotherapist, for instance, must be fully present in the moment when listening to his or her client. Without imposing 
his or her own needs or agenda on the client. All of us can offer our full attention as a gift to someone in need. Often, in fact, true present attention, more than any words of solace, is the best and most healing thing we can give to another human being. Many people throughout the ages have invented and taught and written about techniques for becoming fully aware and awake. These include meditation of many different types, journal writing or focused writing, and other creative pursuits, physical exercises, and prayer. The writer Simone Weil has said that the habit of attention is in fact the very substance of prayer. We may have to sit long enough and on a regular enough basis to learn mindfulness. But once we do, we can be awake and fully present at many points in our lives, even when we perform the most mundane tasks. The mystic Carmelite nun Teresa of Avila, it is said, at first had trouble reconciling her everyday duties with the life of the transcendent spirit that she was supposed to be living at the convent. But eventually, she was able to see even such tasks as sweeping the floor, washing the dishes, and folding the sheets as a kind of prayer. She learned to see the face of God, she said, in the folded sheets, which is another way of saying that she became mindful and truly awake to the present moment, whatever she was doing. The poet William Carlos Williams had a very simple self-assignment in awareness. He had a notebook he kept over the years that he labeled, things I noticed today that I did not notice until today. <laughs> things I noticed today that I did not notice until today. In that notebook, he would write observations, sights, sounds, odors, tastes, sensations, and feelings that struck him for the first time, whatever they might be. Into the notebook went observations of even the most ordinary things. Using this daily awareness practice, he could then produce such simple, elegant poems as these. And I'll just give you two examples. The first is titled The Red Wheelbarrow. So much depends upon a red wheelbarrow glazed with rainwater beside the white chickens. And this one is titled Nantucket. Flowers through the window, lavender and yellow, changed by white curtains, smell of cleanliness, sunshine of late afternoon, on the glass tray, a glass pitcher, the tumbler turned down, by which a key is lying, and the immaculate white bed. Williams, who is known as a major American poet, actually had a very busy day job as a physician. Yet he found time through a simple notebook exercise to be in the present moment with his senses awake and to turn his observations into beautiful poetry. 
What creative heights could we soar to if we just paid attention from time to time? When we buy a raffle ticket to win a prize for some charity, the ticket stub often says, you need not be present at the drawing to win. This may be true for winning at a raffle drawing, but in our lives, the opposite is true. You must be present to win. We must be fully present to life, at least at times, to reap the true rewards of living. And life's true rewards are far greater than any raffle prize. Rewards like healing, wholeness, consciousness, beauty, self-understanding, insight, ecstasy, and love. May your lives be graced from time to time with the precious gift of present awareness. <laughs>